Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Together, a Brighton & Hove Albion podcast. Um, we have been uh, had a little break over Christmas and the New Year. Um, if you're listening to this, it is now New Year's Day, so Happy New Year to you. I'm recording it on the Sunday the 30th, so it's not quite that time yet uh, at the time of recording, but here we are. Um, I'm venturing out on my new microphone I got for Christmas. Uh, Santa was very... Uh, very generous and got me a new mic so we'll see how that makes a difference uh, see if that sound quality goes up a little bit fingers crossed it does um basically the wife is indulging in this uh effort that i'm going to so we'll see how we do with this one um this week we're gonna cover arsenal and everton um and really not look too much forward um i'll give you like a starting 11 for um for the West Ham game, but other than that, really, it's just going to focus on those two. Uh, those two in review, and the last kind of six to ten days since the last time we spoke, um, I'm going to go to the format that I used last week. As I said last week, um, these next two podcasts are going to be a little bit different purely because of the fact that I'm going to be covering two games in a week. Um, and we'll go with our top five stories of the week. So these are the top five stories. Uh, in the Brighton & Hove Albion world that we'll cover. And um, we will hopefully go through everything that uh, yours truly thinks is the most important talking points. So we'll start where we always will start, and that's number five. Um, and uh, number five uh, top story of the week is Anthony Knockhart. Um, he started the season as one of the best players in the side, honestly. Um, he came out with, I believe he had 12 starts, um, four assists and a goal, and ran the show, really, for a lot of this first uh, first bit of the season. He had a really, he'd really shown a good ability to hold up the ball, despite his size, um, and contributed to the defending with Bruno incredibly well as well. Um, and obviously had that danger on set pieces, with his delivery, um, which I thought notably had gotten better too, which is always a big plus for us, uh, especially with his Chiedo out at the start of the season, and he has been since too. But at the beginning of the season, those first like 10 to 12 games, Knockout was a uh, major puzzle piece for us. And with a lot of our better players out, like including, you know, Izquierdo was out, and Done, we never realized how good he was going to be, but he was hurt too. Um, and we had a couple of players really just not at their best yet. Um, it was it was a real nice piece of news to have Knockart come in and play as well as he had for that first 12 games, especially when he ended the season on such a high. Um, however, uh, the reason he's in my top five stories of the week this week is because he didn't make the bench this weekend against Everton. Um, according to Chris Hewton, it's tactical reasons. Um, he left him and Bruno off the bench for tactical reasons now. Uh, I'm not going to assume that Bruno threw his toys out of the pram and got dropped um, because he is the last man I think that would ever do that. Um, he's 38 years old. Montoya is almost 10 years younger than him, um, and he's you know he's he's our captain. He's done nothing but the right thing for us, and I don't think I think that he was probably dropped for legitimate tactical reasons. Um, where it comes to knockout, however. Uh, he is obviously a different character. He's a very emotional player. Um, you know, he came on with five, five, six, seven minutes to go against the Arsenal um, and stormed straight off and down the tunnel at the end of the game. Um, a lot of people saw it inside the Amex. Uh, at the time, honestly, I said that I thought maybe he just did that because that's the way he is emotionally. Um, but it seems like there may be more to it. Uh, so what 
is going on. Um, we know he's had these episodes before. It's been very obvious simply because of his attitude at the end of games and during games um, when he gets subbed off. It's not it's not one of those things where there's a lot of rumor and innuendo. It's simply just what you see is what you get. Um, and how many more times um, is Chris Hutton going to tolerate it? Um, it's pretty clear he's like a he's a confidence player and he needs a real big arm around his shoulders. But it looks like we have a couple of those right now. Um, I think Lockardia is the exact same way. Um, and you know, I think that it's coming to a point where is it going to be better for his own mental health to go home um, and go back to France? I don't know. So, what is going on? Is he is he having a setback? mentally is he having a setback physically um is he struggling with not making the team could it be the last we see of Anthony Knockout in a Brighton shirt um like a couple of years ago he was on tape saying he never wanted to leave the club and he loved it more than any club ever due to the way uh we dealt with his his tragedy that he had with his dad um but we don't we don't really know where it sits right now um and if it is the last we see of him in a Brighton shirt um where will he go? I mean, you would assume he goes to France because that seems the most sensible place to go. Um, he he clearly needs to be... If if it is a mental thing, then he needs to be at home with his family. Um, however, from a business standpoint, however, however callous that is, if it is indeed a mental thing, um, we're not going to get that good of a price for him in France. Um, I think we'd get a lot more money from him from a championship team or even maybe somewhere else... Um, that has more money to spend. I don't think we'll get a decent transfer fee for him. So, you know, from both uh, a mental point and a business point, it looks like we're going to be on the losing end because we're going to lose him in both ways. Um, So we'll have to wait and see. January is very, very fast approaching. Um, Well, January is here. Now you're listening to it. (laughs) So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, It's definitely something to keep tabs on. Uh, since Lockardia and Andone have come into the fold and have really performed well, um, we don't. We it sounds terrible to say we don't need him anymore because I think we desperately do need someone of Nakart's talent. But he's not irreplaceable anymore, um, and so it's getting to a point where like we don't need a huge amount of backup. Um, I think we need to be looking for a number ten in the window, probably on loan. But we don't need to. We don't really need to look for much more. And if he is the one that goes, then so be it. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep tabs on it. I'm sure we'll talk about it through the month of January, um, and we'll keep an eye. But story number four. Uh, story number four is really just the Arsenal game in general. Um, so I want to just take a quick. We'll not take a quick look at it, but really go in depth on it. Um, but first things first. We have a. Uh, a piece of voice clip, a, a contribution from Mile High Seagulls. Um, he's been on the show quite a few times. He uh, he always gives his kind of first reaction to games, and I have his uh, reaction right now. So I'm going to roll that through, and then we'll cover Arsenal in the top four and the number four story of the week. This is my immediate post-Arsenal match commentary. Oh, man, you know, I ended 1-1. Thought we left a lot on the field. Loved how the offense up in the second half. A bunch of different guys had some missed opportunities. If I remember correctly, I think Proper had a good one. Murray missed some chances. 
March had some looks. Um, overall, I mean, I'm really happy with the way they played. Just kind of bummed. Thought we definitely deserved the three points. I honestly think we were the better team today. Obviously, that first goal was atrocious. Let's just not talk about it and move on. Just kidding. Uh, it was bad. It was ugly. We've, we've given a couple of, of those up this year, unfortunately. Um, my second biggest, I think, biggest concern or complaint is I felt like Andoni A should have started and B at least been subbed in very early on in the second half. Might have been the difference. Maybe not. We'll never know. Overall, I guess we can't complain, but we have to win on Saturday. Have to, have to. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you again to Malhai Seagulls for your contribution. Um, anybody, anybody at all that wants to give their thoughts and feelings before a match, after a match, anything at all, uh, at me at TogetherBHA on Twitter or send the voice clip to uh, TogetherBHA at gmail.com. Um, it will be on the show. We will talk about it. Um, so let's talk about it. Arsenal. Um, I think... The first 30 minutes was a bit of a mess. Um, you know, we were playing at home against, yes, they're a top six side, but we beat them last year. 29% um, possession, 76% accurate pass accuracy um, compared to their 91%. Um, we really looked off the pace. And I'm sure the concern was that once again, we were in big trouble. Um, we'd really been off the boil for the last couple of games and it looked like we may be in a bit of trouble. Um, but then the final 60 minutes... Uh, we really upped both possession and pass accuracy slightly and ended the game those last that last hour we had nine shots to their one um and we really turned on that really long ball counter attack in football um it was totally against the usual style we play and it was really super effective um arsenal did not expect it they did not know what to do with it um and I think that Mile High is right we had a lot of opportunities to actually take away three points um I think Regarding the Andone substitution, um, while I agree in in my heart that I wish Andone was on earlier, I also understand why he didn't come on. Um, Andone is such a high impact and a high energy player. I think that Hutton is really just being careful with him um, because we don't want to run him into the ground. <clears throat> Excuse me. We don't want to run him into the ground um, and really hurt his prospects of making this impact that he's making. We don't want to bring that to an end early. Um, so I understand why Hutton didn't bring him on straight away. I understand why he brought him on late. Um, and I think if he brought him on earlier, maybe we would have got a result. Uh, but we still got a point at home against the top six side. And I think that that is also uh, an incredibly good thing to get. So... So while I agree with uh, the point of view that we should have had Andone on uh, emotionally, I think tactically he made the right decision. And I'm glad he didn't come on too soon. Um, proper, proper was my man of the match, honestly. Um, he looks a fantastic player in this 4-3-3 formation that we have uh, quietly moved to. Um, three shots on goal. He had more than any other player on the team, which is something that we really, we saw him do with the Netherlands and, we were wondering where this where this Davy Proper that scored goals has got was gone, um, because he he was always on the score sheet for the Netherlands and he always plays so much deeper for us. Um, but man, he's he's taking his chances now. Unfortunately, he's still not scored yet. But I feel like it's only a matter of time instead of uh, a case of what's happening. Uh, only Gross played more passes than him, 
all game, 43 to 41, uh, but he did end up with a higher pass accuracy. And defensively, you know, he he's really turned into a legitimate box-to-box midfielder. Um, three tackles, two interceptions. Um, he was really something else, and obviously he got the assist, and it was a beautiful ball over. Um, I'm not sure whether he was looking for Lockardia or Gross. Um, it doesn't really matter, but he found whoever, he found his man, um, and you know, we got the point from it. I thought that Gross uh, playing slightly deeper looks uncomfortable for him, um, but it is something he's growing into. Whereas it's funny because, you know, of the three, I think Proper has improved immensely in this formation. I think Gross has slightly gone off the boil in it. He doesn't look as happy, and yet Dell Stevens looks like a new player. In <laughs> um, the way he distributed the ball was quite incredible. He ended up with two key passes against Arsenal. Um, key passes again are creating legitimate goal scoring opportunities um, he'd only had three all season prior to that game so he almost hit he almost hit his season high um, in just one game his we know he can pass forward um, because we saw him do it in the championship it's just that he hasn't been doing it in the Premier League and he's almost become the most one dimensional player in the squad um, sideways and backwards we went over this a couple of episodes ago um, but he's really turned a corner in this new formation. It's given him a chance to actually look forward. Um, you know, he's he's really working hard and he's, he's looking like a better player for it. Um, we only allowed four shots in the penalty area all game. Um, excellent performance. It was well worthy of a point. It was a shame that the referee uh, and linesman got that decision wrong to allow their goal. Um, it was quite clearly an offside due to the rules. Um, the Premier League gamesman Chip Majiggies agreed. Um, the panel of referees that put in these stupid rules all agree that it was actually an offside and shouldn't have been given. Um, this is just another episode of top six teams getting dodgy decisions. Um, you know, we've had a couple of them in the last month or so. It's been a real rough month. And yet, when we get to a story further on, we'll see that the, the difference is there because we had a really good referee in performance against Everton. Um, so, yeah, overall, I thought Arsenal was... It was really quite a nice game. It was almost like a dry run for the Everton game. Um, but we're going to get on to story number three. Um, and story number three is Matty Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan, uh, he now leaves for the month of January. He's actually just played his first game today uh, at the time of recording. I believe they won 6 nothing. Um, he got a clean sheet and uh, he's gone. He's going to be gone for some time. Um, the Australians are the defending champions of the Asian Cup too. Um, so the probable return will probably be uh, mid-February against the Chelsea. Against Chelsea. Um, it's due to the fact that, you know, if they finish at the end of February, um, I believe he's going to have the okay to celebrate with them and all that sort of stuff. He's going to have like a, if they have like a parade, I'm sure he'll go. Um, similar to the way that Son Heung-min did the same thing when they won their cup. Um, he was a, like just over a week later than normal because he had their victory thing. Um, I would be surprised if he didn't get the same kind of blessing, despite the fact that we need him back. <laughs> um... But, you know, it's going to be a big miss for us. Um, at least he will be back for those big winnable home games throughout March and April. So, And we've, and we've just won without him. So there's no need to panic just yet. Um, but it seems that, you know, it's, it's still going to be a miss. Um, there has been, there was some discussion for the last three or four days on who would replace him. However, it seems that uh, 
it's pretty abundantly clear that Button is the man. Um, he was on the bench versus Arsenal and obviously got the start versus Everton and now he's got a clean sheet. I don't see Steele really challenging too much until the FA Cup. Um, Matt Ryan who goes away having played every game so far for us this season. Um, and honestly, he's probably won a six to ten points alone himself. Um, one of those coming in the... Well, yeah, one of those coming from the Arsenal game. Um, he made two fantastic saves against uh, an Aubameyang Aubameyang one-on-one and uh, another moment that he really made a top save and I think it's going to be a uh, I think those points that he single-handedly wins is is, uh, no pressure David Button but we need it so uh, fingers crossed um not to mention his long ball passing and distribution will be a miss. Um, he's been incredibly accurate with his long ball distribution since forever. Um, and actually, thankfully, looking at David Button, he seems to have really, really good accuracy with his long balls too. So fingers crossed that is something that they can continue to do um, because it really was impressive uh, this week against Everton. And he's got some kick on him too. He can launch a ball quite far. <laughs> so I guess the question is that we're going to miss him. Of course, we're going to miss him. But in terms of how important he is to us, you know, a lot of people are saying that, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, Button's a good enough keeper. He can stand in. But honestly, like, I like Button. Um, I liked what I saw of him against Everton. But how many better keepers are there in the Premier League than Ryan? Um, obviously, I'm biased. But I've made a list um, of those I think are better than him. Um, I've got David De Gea who is definitely a better keeper than Matt Ryan right now. I have Edison from Manchester City, who is definitely a better keeper than him right now. And I have Allison, who is definitely a better keeper than him right now. Um, I think Lloris is probably a better keeper than him right now. And that's it. Um, I think I think that after those four, there is like kind of the next tier of goalkeeper. Um, and I think that Pickford, Kasper Schmeichel, uh, Rui Petrucio and Matt Ryan are all next on that list. Um, I don't know where you would put those keepers in terms of one to four. Um, but from what I've seen of Kepa and what I've seen of Leno so far for Arsenal, I think he's probably better than both of them. Um, I think all of those keepers that I just listed probably are better than both of them from what I've seen. Um, to me, I think he's a top six keeper. Um, and I think we're lucky to have him bias or not. Um, at me on Twitter, tell me how wrong I am, tell me who you think is better than him, um, more than happy to have that discussion, we'll talk about it next week if you want, um, but that's that's my that's my claim, I think that he's up there with the, like a top six keeper uh, quite comfortably, I don't think there's that many better, so we're going to miss him, but he's back, uh, he'll be back at the end of February, mid-February, if they go all the way, um, and I want them to do well because he plays for them, but at the same time, I'd rather they get knocked out in the group stages, even though that would really cost a miracle. Um, so, our number two story of the week, Everton. Um, we'll cover the Everton game as our number two story of the week. Now, a lot of you are probably wanting that to be the number one story of the week, simply because it was an absolutely fantastic performance. Um, but we will get to the number one story when we are ready. Um, what a performance. It's, like I said, uh, when we were looking at our number four story of the week with Arsenal, it was almost like we treated that as a dry run. 
um, before this game, which was kind of our main event. And what a main event it was at the Amex to end 2018. Um, we dominated the game for around 75 minutes, honestly. Uh, there was a small segment of the first half from around, I think it was around 30 to 40 minute mark, and about five minutes in the second half where they hit the post, they hit the bar. Uh, they had a couple of really good opportunities that we blocked. Um, but other than that, they never troubled us once outside of that that kind of bit of pressure they built up. Um David Button made a couple of very scary saves and spills at the start of the game. Um, he also pushed a save right out into the middle of the box, which was terrifying to see. We got away with it. Um, but he then combined them with a couple of very good saves, turned one onto the post, claimed a couple of real ping pong balls. Um, and, you know, I think it was a really good debut for him. Um, hopefully he grows in January and continues to make that, that keeper shirt his for the time that Matty Ryan is out. Um, and you know, I think, I think he needs to, because the games are going to be tough. We have Liverpool, uh, coming up. We have Manchester city coming up, I think, or is it Manchester United? We have, we definitely have Liverpool coming up. I can't, I misremember our fixture list. Um, but we have two big games in January that are really tough. So, you know, it's not going to be an easy ride for him. Um, he's having, he's going to have quite the month and fingers crossed he can do all right. I think we'll probably see steel. Um, in goal for us against Bournemouth in the FA Cup, and I think that's only right to do that. Um, but overall, good debut for him. Um, kept a clean sheet, and he needed it to go to West Ham with. Um, also worth noting that we continued with the 4-3-3, um, and Gross did look more comfortable yesterday. Um, I think he looked slightly more in tune with his other midfield too. Um, Proper was once again fantastic. Um, I thought that he was incredibly talented. Um, and Done once again an incredible performance. The way he chases balls uh, and wins balls he shouldn't. His pace is just electric. Uh, four shots, two on target, won four fouls. Um, that's something that Glenn Murray is so good at doing um, due to the size of him and the way he can hold that ball up. He wins fouls for fun, and yet Andone is much smaller than him, and yet he can do the same. The way he does it is just incredibly. It's it's so good. He's so fun to watch. Um, two of those fouls were actually near the end of the game. Um, in Not in our own final third. Um, he won two of them right there to change the momentum of the game altogether. The ability to just kind of knock the ball out to him um, and know he's probably going to win a foul and move us all the way up, up the pitch is just invaluable. Um, it was just such a good move to make. He's he's came in and he's really took his chance, my goodness. Um, but I think we need to talk about our man of the match. Um, my match of the match was Bernardo. Uh, he... <laughs> He continues to impress every time he puts on a Brighton shirt. Um, he won two fouls in an attacking format. He had a shot um, defensively. He had five tackles, which was the most on the team. He had two interceptions, a clearance. He actually gave away zero fouls um, against a very dangerous Everton wing. Um, you know, they they have Coleman, they have Walcott, they have Dine, Dean, Diner, Dean... I'm so glad we don't play Everton again to know how you pronounce his name. Um, we, they have Bernard. You know, he he dealt with anybody who walked down his wing um, with absolute class. And his pace, his willingness to throw his body on the line um, is honestly really in tune with the rest of our back line. They're all willing to get stuck in beyond 
normal levels of commitment. Um, you know, Duncan and Duffy treat themselves as walls as much as they treat themselves as people, and Bernardo is doing similar kind of stuff. So, my goodness, what a sign-in he was. Um, honestly, I... <laughs> He's probably going to be the best left back in Brighton and Ove Albion history by the end of next season if he continues his performances. Um, his ability is just something else altogether. He's, what, 23? Um, if he continues what he's doing this year and then takes it all the way through next year, I think I think that's it. I think that's enough to solidify him as the best left back we've ever seen play for us. Um, you know, I've, I've not seen us during the 80s when we were great, um, but just looking back on probably the best left back I've ever seen play for us, and that's Wayne Bridge. Um, give him another year of what he's doing, especially if he grows um, and continues to learn, which he's going to under someone like Hewton. I think that he's going to be our best left back ever, um, and we might end up getting a whole lot of money for him. <laughs> um, overall, uh, against Everton, the side is looking very good right now. Um, despite the knockout story uh, not being on the bench and Izquierdo being hurt, um, March is really making that right-hand side his own. Um, he's working really well with Montoya. He's got a really good uh, rapport with him already. Um, I just wish he would he would seem a little bit more uh, confident in what he's doing sometimes. He Sometimes he'll beat a man and do something incredible, and then like the next two times it looks like he doesn't quite dare do it again. Um but he's also very young and he needs to learn. And I'm sure that, I mean, it's not like he's not getting the game time. Hopefully it comes with time. Um, the Andone and Glenn Murray rotation is looking very good. Um, you know, that midfield three is looking incredibly uh, versatile. I wouldn't be surprised to see Basuma start against West Ham and give one of them a rest, maybe gross. Um, you know, I think that the op the options we have in midfield now, if we're going to play that midfield three in a slightly more flat formation, you know, we have Kyle, we have Stevens, we have Gross, we have Proper, we have Bissouma. All of them are fit and ready to go, and I think we're we're really in a top spot for it. We've got two centre-halves that are clearly incredibly talented. Um, we have a backup in Balogun that has stepped in and done just fine. Um, we have Bruno and Montoya on the right. I think that Montoya is definitely the better right back um, now. And I think that Bruno is one hell of a backup. And I don't think that we're going to miss out too much if Montoya was to get hurt. I think that Bruno is a fantastic um, rotational option. I think that Bong is just fine. Um, you know, Bernardo has really took that position and stranglehold on it. But if he was to get hurt, Bong was, is there and ready to go. Um our right wing, you know, that's really our wing. Our wing spots are really the only thing that's looking rough. Um, you know, Izquierdo's hurt. March is our only right winger that's fit. Um, with Knockout not playing and being dropped out, which moves me on to our number one story of the week. Number one story of the week. Here we go. Jurgen Lockadia. Lockadia. I've heard it two different ways in the last two weeks, and uh, I always thought it was Lockardia, so I'm going to continue with that. I am so happy, so happy, as one of his last bastions of support <laughs> to see him do what he's doing. Um, two goals in two games on the left wing. What has happened to him? Um, I've got to admit, a few games ago, I think it was just prior to Bournemouth, um, I eventually caved 
caved into the majority and accepted his his head looks like it had totally gone. Um, he showed no desire to be on the pitch. He was probably one I like you know he when he missed that open header he didn't even care. Um, it looked like he didn't care at least. And honestly, I think I was probably one of the last fans to finally agree it may be best if he moved on. I never thought that he didn't have the talent, but. And you can go back and listen to all the episodes and you'll know that I'm not just bullshitting. Um, I thought he was a great player and I thought he was good enough, but it was just not the right time for him um, or the right tactics for him. And yet, you know, he I thought maybe it would be best if he moved on for us and him. And I guess maybe that that was a watershed moment in Jurgen's life. Um, I'm sure he's an avid listener of the podcast, um, and I'm sure that, you know, hearing me say that it was maybe over for him was obviously a wake-up call he needed. Um, I'm kidding, obviously. But, yeah, no, seriously, it was, you know, he's now started three games on the left wing um, and has pretty much single-handedly won us four points. Um, I think the general consensus, especially online, was that we all agreed he seemed to do pretty all right against Bournemouth. Um he was put in to do a job, and we I think most people thought, like, huh, you know, not bad at all. And then his next two, it was like it, he was a new player. Um, you know, when you, it was almost like he'd been on sedatives for a year, and then someone, someone forgot to keep dosing him up, and all of a sudden he's this live wire. Um, like, it's just unbelievable. He's, you know, in the last two games from the left, bear in mind that isn't even a position he likes to play mainly. Um, when he played for PSV, uh, he in his best seasons for PSV, he was a centre forward. He had Memphis Depay on his left. He had uh, Narsingh on his right. Narsingh was uh, of Swansea fame in the end. Jesus. Um, you know, but he, he isn't... Left wing is not his favourite spot. It's not the spot that he was most talented in. Um, and yet, he's... He's had five shots, two on target, two goals, two key passes. Um, he's played just over 50 passes on that left wing with an 81% pass accuracy rate. Um, he's put in two accurate and dangerous crosses um, in two games, which is something that Soli, Noka, and Izquierdo have all struggled with. Um, he also seems comfortable going out wide and putting a ball in as much as he seems happy to come inside. Um, and it's something that... Is again something that Noka always preferred to cut in. Um, Solly March always preferred to cut in. Izquierdo always prefers to cut in. If they have a choice, they're always going inside. Uh, Locadia doesn't seem to care. He's happy with either way. Um, and he's put a couple of really dangerous balls through the middle. Um, he also has that instinct to drift inside that no other winger seems to have. Um, it's probably that center forward instinct, but he also knows that. He can't. He's his weakness, as he said already, is his ability to head the ball, um, and it's his the way in which he decides to drift off that far post and control the ball with his chest, um, which just causes all manner of problem problems because they don't know what to do with him. Um, honestly, we we probably should have had another goal just against Everton with the way he brought that ball down on the far side and played it into Murray for a shot. Um, if Murray would have just hit that low and hard, I think it was probably 3-1. Um, he decided to try and bend it into the top corner, and, you know, I don't hate him for it. I'm fine with it. We won the game. But, you know, I think that he he's creating chances out the wazoo, and he's he's a totally different player. Um, his goal versus Arsenal was excellent. 
you know, he he steamed past Gross. Um, we all know Gross isn't the quickest man alive, but he went past him like he like he ate his dust. Um, took a touch and scored like it was his tenth goal of the season, not his first. Um, yesterday against Everton, he was quickest on his feet to turn the ball in. Um, he had that real fox in the box instinct that both Murray and Andone have. Um, Andone, Lockadia, and March are becoming a very dangerous trio. Um, to play against and Murray presents a different option but the same premise um, pace out wide is killing teams and a player that is going to do something different in the middle is dangerous and although Murray and Andone play very different styles of football they are both going to be great foils to this Lockadia Solly March combo that we've got going on and you know if someone would have told you in game six um, like six weeks in that Lockadia Solly March as our two wingers were probably going to be our most dangerous combination we've seen all year. You'd get laughed out the room. Um, and yet here we are. They are just unbelievable. Um, you know, he's, and he's not just, it's not just his attacking stuff too. Uh, Hutton has always pushed on the fact that our wingers have to help defend. Um, and he seems well up for it. You know, he's, he's had two total tackles in the last, in the last two games. He's had two successful tackles, three interceptions, four clearances, um, he's drumming up a real relationship with Bernardo. Um, it's it. There's nowhere else it could be but my number one story of the week. Not only because I'm mildly smug that he's proving me right uh, against all the doubters, but also that he's he's proving to come good just when we need him. You know, with his Kiedo hurt and Knockart having an episode, like what what an addition he is. Like what a player he's become for us in this last couple of games. What a change in fortunes. Um, I just don't think there's anywhere else he can go but our number one story of the week. So that's it. That's 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 the number one story done dusted. Um, we play West Ham next on January the 2nd. Um, the next podcast episode will come out on the... It will be out on the Tuesday after the Bournemouth game. Um, and we'll do the same kind of thing there. We'll look at the Bournemouth game. We'll look at the West Ham game. We'll look at a couple of other bits and bobs. Um... But for me, that's really it. Uh, I think my 11 for West Ham. I want to do that just before we finish up here, as we do every week. Um, I think, obviously, Button keeps the number one goalkeeper shirt. Uh, Montoya, Donk, Duffy, Bernardo all sit there at the back four. Um, I don't think, you know, they're professional footballers at the highest level. I don't think we need to worry about resting any of them. Um, Especially with the pace on the wings that West Ham have. Um, you know, Felipe Anderson and their players are really coming into form at the minute, even though they got beat against Burnley today. They're really <laughs> super dangerous, so I don't want to risk it too much. Um, Solly March obviously has to stay on the right. Um, I think that we'll see if it's up to me, I would have proper Dale and Basuma in there in the middle three. Um, and obviously Lockadia on the left and Murray up front. Um, Simply because Andone started this weekend, I think that Murray should start. Um, and he's already, he seems to have a really nice time against West Ham. They seem to just have this inability to play against Glenn, so he has to start for me. Um, and all in all, that's it. Uh, they play on my birthday, so hopefully they can give me a nice birthday present on the second and uh, get us another three points. Um, you know, we're sitting on 25 points with, what, 20 games played, I think. Um it's just phenomenal stuff. Um, what a season. We're doing great. We're 10 points clear of the drop. We are six points clear of the team below us. Um, you know, we're in, we're in a hell of a spot. And if we can win again, 
you know, we're what four four wins and a draw from thirty eight points. I think you know we can we can we can do that. We are we are really not far away from being safe, um, and it's not even January. So thank you for listening. Have a wonderful new year. Happy New Year for those listening now because it isn't a new year. And have a wonderful uh, FA Cup and West Ham game. Enjoy. I hope we can come away with some wins. And see you next Tuesday. Thank you. Be safe.